2: Happy New Year and welcome to Near and Queer to My Heart. I'm your host Amanda G. This is our very first episode of 2019. We're so excited. We've celebrated one year of bringing you this podcast, and we're looking forward to bringing you so much more. Do we have a good New Year's? Did we make some resolutions? My New Year's Eve sucked, I was sick, but I did make it out. I rallied all day, and about 11pm I went out to a bar near my house and stayed till almost 1am, and then I took some cough medicine and had the best sleep of 2019 thus far. I'm feeling better, I'm back in. Do we have any New Year's resolutions? I picked a very basic one. I picked a very generic one instead of usually I'm like, I want to lose 30 and a half pounds and then I don't make that goal. So now I just made a generic one because I can apply it to anything in my life and it's just to work smarter, not harder that's easy enough. I could apply that to making a cup of coffee. I can apply that to being a better cat mom. I can apply that to comedy or to something bigger, you know? So hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll achieve it or at least feel like I achieved it because that's all it's really about, right? Anyway, I hope you all had a good New Year's. I hope you have some good resolutions uh, that you're going to meet. If not, you can take mine. I'll share it with you. That's a way to work smarter, not harder. Just use somebody else's New Year's resolution. I'm really excited for this episode. This is someone, he moved to New Orleans a while back, and even before he moved to New Orleans, I'd seen him perform, and I was always like, hey, I got to get him on my shows. I got to interview him for this podcast, and it's finally happened. Han Cowger, New Orleans resident now, has lived all over the country. Amazing guy. And also, at the end of the interview, stay tuned, we're going to play a clip of Han's stand-up. And it's hilarious. It's from a show at the Parlo Brewery, an all-LGBTQ comedy show. So definitely stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, we're going to bring you Han Calgary y'all. Hey.
0: Han Calgary Hey there. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm really excited, Han. I, like, I've really been looking forward to interviewing you since you made the official move yeah. uh, to New Orleans. Uh, I met Han when he was living in New York. Correct. And had come... To New Orleans, I
0: don't know how long you were here, a couple of weeks? I was here over Mardi Gras, and then I think I came back maybe a month later and was here for like 11 days
2: yeah, and I was just like, "Oh man, I love. It. I'd love it if he moved here, and I'd love it to have a chance to interview." And then, well, blam! Yeah, <laughs> I know a little bit about your life, so I'm gonna delve into it. Sure, I know you tell jokes about
0: being from Kansas. Correct.
2: Where in Kansas? How was is, how is life there? Uh,
0: I'm uh, I'm originally from a place called Topeka, Kansas. Uh, it is the capital of Kansas. I don't know what it's like to be from anywhere else. I can tell you like most good things, I'm from just off the highway. I was raised by my mother mostly and would see my dad and my brothers uh, on Wednesdays, but it was me and my sister and my mom.
2: So the ladies and you, one place. Yeah, and then my father and brother's.
0: on the other side of town, yeah. That's interesting. Are are they full siblings or? Um, I have a half brother uh, who's my youngest sibling, and then I a, a step brother who was my oldest sibling. Okay, he's I like, that's an
2: interesting division, like a yeah. reverse Brady bunch of, yeah, of and sorts. <laughs>
0: my sister is my um my full sibling.
2: High school all through Topeka
0: all the way. Yeah, yeah. I w- I'm born and raised there. I went to Topeka High and. I left Kansas I think when I was like uh maybe 16 I dropped out <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty solid decision. Uh, I mean, like, I'm all right. Obviously, like, I'm I'm doing okay for myself, but, you know, stay in school. <laughs> yeah. It gets better. Sometimes it just takes, like, you know, 19 years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and what was that decision based on, and how did the family take it or not take it? Or? I mean,
0: there was really not a lot of argument, because, like, my dad couldn't say much of anything, because, like, he, too, was a dropout, and it, it went on to be, like, an incredibly successful individual. Uh. I'm not quite there yet, but I'd say I'm, you know, I I know shit from apple butter, so we're doing all right. Uh, (laughs) You know, and my sister had gotten emancipated as well. She went on to go to Denver and graduate from a high school there and then go to school there. So they raised us to be pretty independent. And they were just, I think, to a certain extent, like by the time they got to me, they were just like, we're fucking tired. Go ahead, (laughs) do whatever you want. And I did. And a lot of it was based off of, you know, I, I was in the gifted education program, which whatever. In the state of Kansas, you have to do this thing called an IEP and uh, it's on the same board as like special education and all of that. And if you don't specify that you want to do a specific curriculum for the year out, they'll give you a full schedule. And I was like, well, there's no reason why I should have a full schedule. I'm supposed to, I'm slated to be out of here early and just threw a fit and was like, whatever. And then I went to an alternative school (laughs) For like one day Uh and like at that point in my life um m- much of my personality uh, was based off of like my leather jacket and my mohawk and it was just important to prove to people how bad I was but like I, I really wasn't and so I went to this place called Hope Street Academy for like a day and like all these juggalos <laughs> kept trying to touch my hair and talk to me and so I was like I think I'm having a panic attack. And they were like, really? And I was like, yes. And they're like, what would help? And I was like, getting my GED tomorrow. <laughs> and you did? I did, yeah. And then I, I, I fucked off and went to um, California for a little bit with this person that I was seeing at the time. And it was it was interesting. You know, like most Midwestern young men, I, I went West and yeah. checked it out for a little bit.
2: They've written a lot of songs about you.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: You're what, 16? 17 at this point yeah and yeah you're just like I'm going to California
0: yeah or- originally like the the genius idea was to, to go with stinky Johnny to go to uh, his cousin's wedding in Los Angeles and he was like oh I know so many people there and I was like cool that sounds great let's do that and so we ended up hitching a ride with like these kids from Minneapolis who had come through who had like a van and it was like this fantastic voyage and we got there there was the wedding we, ha- we stayed with his incredibly affluent family. And then all of a sudden, it became very clear to me that Johnny did not know anybody in Los Angeles. And so thank goodness for an early understanding and mastery of uh, the internet and social media. I, uh, I give big props to being a, a lonely kid raised in the Midwest because of that. I thought, well, I had made friends with all these bands and just strangers on MySpace maybe now's the time to go into the library and let them know that I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) And so it ended up working out. I I got to meet these strange internet friends and stay with them and eventually... My dad had moved to Denver at some point during my uh, my middle school and high school years. And I ended up, when I was done with California, just going out there to take care of him because he was sick.
2: Can I ask how old you are?
0: Uh, yeah, I am 31 years old. Okay,
2: because I'm 35. And I-, I think it's so interesting because we kind of grew up like right when the internet became the internet. Correct. Like, with dial-up, I'm sure. Yeah. And- and- when the internet had a sound. Yeah. And I was in different... Chat rooms in you. I'm sure I was in this like Mariah Carey chat room oh, yes. that was like all like actual Mariah fans. There was no like creepy old dudes or anything like that. And we all still keep in touch. Totally. And, one of them's actually works for Mariah. Like it's That's so the strangest cool. thing that, like, at the time, it's yeah. I was like this nerdy kid. I was very shy. Yeah. I felt like nobody I grew up with understood me, and then I had internet friends that were okay with like the nerdy things I was into that other people made fun of. They were because they were all the same. Yeah. And they were all out there. And then now, if you tell people this, they're just like, there's strangers and weirdos out there. And I'm like, I've made some of my closest friends yeah. through that. And I think it's it's hard to explain it. And it's hard to and then. I also part of me is like, why did my parents let me like on mm-hmm. these weird chat rooms? But well, they didn't know. They didn't know what it was and they didn't understand. You know, I was like, I'm going online. They didn't know what that meant.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy to me. And, and I think about this sometimes because like I've had the good fortune of meeting a majority of the the very good and safe friends that I made online as a child, as an adult meeting them. And, it, and it's been wonderful because we we've had conversations about how important, even though we hadn't met each other you know, during that time, th- that friendship was in, like, cultivating, like, being comfortable with who we are, and even expressing our queer identities. Because, like, it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't come out until much later in life. I mean, I tried to come out in, like, quieter ways when I was younger. But having the outlet of, you know, this completely unbiased, unrelated to my life person that lives states and states away, I felt safe enough to just be like, hey, I'm gay. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah and they felt safe enough to share with you yeah. and you felt okay it was this kind of you know coming out of a lot of the things yeah in a safe space so you started coming out at a young age but kind of didn't yeah so it was
0: I mean like I kind of flirted with the idea of coming out I mean like I knew from a pretty early age that I had a a different something that was different I mean like I remember for years just kind of like it's like a Lisa Simpson sort of thing, like where I would just like check my pants every day and just be like, "Am I a boy yet?" <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, nope. no, that's not gonna happen. And then I was like, "Well, if I like girls, does that make me gay?" But I still like boys. Better just keep quiet about this. And like when my friends were coming out in high school, I think just it's pretty typical of like a lot of people who are you know identify as bisexual or queer, but specifically bisexual, like you're you feel like you're not gay enough. Yeah. So it's just like, you're just like, well, I don't need to come out. That that would be taking away from real gay people. So just, just better be quiet about it. You know, like I joined things like GSA and PFLAG and I had tried to talk to my parents about it before and they're just like, oh, you're just experimenting or like it's a phase and it's like, all right, well, I mean, you might not be wrong because, like, I haven't slept with anyone yet, so we'll see. Yeah. Also, uh, let's not talk about sex, parents. This is weird. Bye.
2: Yeah, I never talked about sex with my parents either way. Still don't.
0: No, that was was the truest definition of bisexuality because every time they brought it up, I'd just be like, bye-bye.
2: Yeah. (laughs) No, thank you. You're like, that's the bye in this. We're out the door. Yeah. But it's good, though, that you were able to even start having those conversations because I feel like for me, I just put it aside.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I was like, it's funny because like I talked to some of my friends in high school that were out that were, you know, in these groups with me and they were just like, you were so funny because like I would get like really uncomfortable when people were like flirty and comfortable with each other like during the group. And I'd be like, guys, it's not a dating club. Like we're here to talk <laughs> about issues. It's like, what a virgin who can't drive. <laughs> like focus. Yeah.
2: I'm focused. You should focus too. Yeah. When did you really come out to friends and family, to the world? Because I know on stage, you know, and one of the things I love about your comedy, well, a lot I love a lot of things about your comedy, but one of the things that I think makes your jokes so funny is everything comes from truth. Like I could tell that that these jokes come from the bottom of your heart and from a place where they've actually happened or they're based on things that are very close to what's actually happened. And I feel like I try to do that with my comedy because the more personal it is, I feel like you get this funny out of it and also these moments of truth. And I feel like you do a really good job of that, thank you. So I know you know I know you ha- in public are out.
0: I'm I'm definitely out. I came out as a trans male over the last like year and a half. You know I I dipped my toes in in the gender nonconformity water and it was fine. Uh, with outing myself as a non-binary person, I mean so much of it for me too. One coming out later because I am from Topeka, Kansas and like it is home of the Westboro Baptist Church. You know, I'm very fortunate to have a, you know, very not just tolerant, but like accepting family. Like they're not always, you know, the most sensitive about it, but they're very well meaning and like have never, ever told me like you're wrong or you're going to hell or anything like that. They're very cool. I'm just pretty shy with them. um. But yeah, I, I, I came out later for a myriad of reasons but also I think just like because we are the age that we are um, we have so much more access to like information and knowledge and vocabulary than we ever have before and I think I probably would have come out sooner as a teen if if I had if I'd known the words to I just felt different but it's I've been like out with with friends like individuals like on a low-key basis for probably like 5 years uh but other than that uh he's pretty fresh <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah no and I that's why I love all your you know every time I see you do stand up you have new jokes and a lot of your jokes do go into the you know the like here's what you need to know and here's what you should mind your own fucking business about you Mm -hmm. know like you have the the Britney Spears joke oh yeah which I don't want to I always like I'm like oh your joke's so funny but I'm not going to tell you your joke back and then butcher it but it's
0: basically what you're like half of a Britney Spears half of that Spears paradox baby um I mean and like that's that's like one of my That's that's a newer one. I mean, Britney has always been just a very large part of my life. I actually got to see her when I was in the fourth grade, and this was when she was still still doing like commercials for her CDs and like was touring and like opening for NSYNC. I went to an NSYNC concert with a bunch of my girlfriends, like for a birthday party, and I remember being kind of just like "Mm," when they were like, "Who's your favorite?" I'm like, "Lance," and they were like, "Why?" and I was like. (laughs) We both like hor- horses. Um, <laughs> and like this girl that nobody knows, like came out and like rocked our little fourth grade world. And we were like, who is she? She's a star. She's amazing. She's the best. And then all of a sudden, Justin Timberlake came out on stage and they kissed. And like you just felt the whole energy. Shift And all these fourth grade girls were like, let's murder her. Oh,
2: God. Yeah, they all. like Some people were like, I'm so happy for them. And other people were like, you've destroyed my
0: life. They are still my double denim fantasy. And I love them forever. <laughs>
2: double de- I remember those pictures. Oh, my
0: God. It's everything.
2: See, I used to pick Joey as the instinct guy I liked because mm-hmm. I felt bad that nobody liked him.
0: Joey Fatone, baby. Yeah.
2: And everyone's like, is Joey fat one? But I remember in those cases where I would like look at these guys and I'm like, none of them. But I have to pick one. And everyone liked Justin and then you had a couple of girls that like JC. Yeah. Chazay. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't going to say it because I don't know how to say it. but well, I mean, yeah. none of us And then did. nobody really, I mean, Chris was kind of weird and nobody. Chris was, a, <laughs> was a wild guy. <laughs> he was a wild card. He's like AJ and Backstreet Boys and, and no one liked Joey. I just felt bad for him. I was like, he tries the hardest because he, he really has to does. put in more work than everybody else and you're not giving him the props so I would pick him.
0: Joey Fatone, don't sleep mm-hmm. on my big fat Greek wedding too. It's an incredible role. <laughs> yeah, no, I love Britney. I've loved her for a very long time. I was thinking so much about her as as I am off to do at least 15 to 20 minutes out of my day. And she's she's meant a lot to me. I've always been able to access like her voice and be able to sing like her, talk like her. Uh, i went to catholic school so at one point dressed like her i don't know she like always has made me feel cool and then i remember coming out and like just kind of listening to her and hearing that song uh i'm not a girl and was like oh i love this song also crossroads is my favorite shonda Rhimes. it's very good but like <sighs> being a queer person and a trans person you you hear a lot of these new words that we know like uh, intersectional and Britney is for me my intersectional queen because it doesn't matter if you're like gay straight whatever everybody knows who Britney Spears is oh yeah and it's they Britney will
2: bitch. fight for her honor. oh hell yeah hell yeah. <laughs> I was the bad guy. I'll be the bad guy here because I think I've said it on another episode. But I did go see her in Vegas. Mm-hmm. We, my uh, Three of my best friends from high school and I still keep in touch. And we try to do once a year a girls trip, except two of them have kids now. So yeah. it's more like once every two to three years. But the last trip we did was we went to Vegas to see Brittany. Mm-hmm. And it, she wasn't great.
0: <laughs> well, listen... But you know, th-
2: I know she c I know she can do amazing things. I just The I, same could be yeah. said for Mariah. Oh yeah, I know. And I'll Listen, defend it to the death as well.
0: So that's I you know, whether whether it's, you know, Mariah Carey Cheetah Rivera, Britney Spears, just card a queen out on stage and I will scream. Like yeah. I'm into it. I love it. Oh no,
2: I had a great time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I like, uh, would do no wrong. The other
2: thing that was cool is when I, I go, love a
0: lazy Britney oh. though. Come on.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that was the thing. She was like a beat behind everybody mm-hmm. else, and it was clearly uh, dubbed. She's
0: made her coin.
2: It was dub because she's singing in her like you know voice, like, and then all of a sudden she's like, "Hi guys," and it was like, "That's not the same voice that you just sang with." Like it is, it is not. But you can say that. I know Mariah does backing tracks and i'm because i'm like oh but she's like almost 50 who cares let her let her do what she's got to do what do you think she's
0: doing right now
2: mariah yeah well, she was in Amsterdam recently with the kids. I think she was skiing. I don't know. I stalk her on all the social media. She's been traveling the world having a grand old time.
0: What is Mariah doing is a game that I play over text with a lot of my friends. Oh, really? I recommend it. It's very fun. I had a, like a
2: real answer. And yeah. <laughs> like, no. This is a game we play. And I was just like, actually, she's sitting down writing lyrics right now for her.
0: I love it. For my money, I think she's probably on her infinity balcony practicing her whistle tones and like ordering KFC from Uber Eats. Who knows? Yeah. I love her.
2: Well, I just I like the confidence and I think Britney has that too mm-hmm. where it's like they're going to keep doing their thing, they're going to keep rocking out and they know they're talented. Yep. And they don't care. They have they have haters, they don't care. No. And it's great. The other thing great about Britney was on my plane ride on the way to Vegas, literally Everyone on that plane was going from Poor New Brittany. Orleans to see Britney. <sighs> it a was a magical yeah. experience. It was like the guy next to me bought me a drink. Like it was just this magical moment. Yeah, I loved it. And one time I was on a plane back from, I think, Los Angeles, and the Saints were playing, and one guy pulled it up. He paid for, like, only one guy paid for internet because we were all in Southwest right. and broke. And he was just yelling things out, and the rest of us were yelling, who at the whole time. Like, That's so I wonderful. love those moments with strangers where you're just like, we like this thing. Mm-hmm. Like Britney Spears can bring us all together. The Saints can bring us all together. We're She's just- your team, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that why you came to
0: Louisiana? I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got me. Oops. <laughs> Oops, no, she did it um, again. <laughs> I came to Louisiana one because there's no other place on earth like New Orleans. I love it here. I think the comedy scene here is very well organized and like super personable, very talented. The trans community here is a number one aces. I love the community here. And then, you know, there's some really good opportunities for schooling as well if you stick around.
2: So you were in L.A. 16 to, what, 18?
0: Yeah, yeah, I wasn't there for very long at all.
2: And what happened after that? You were like, I gotta get the fuck out of here? Well,
0: I mean, okay, so, like, there was, like, a period of... Before like being able to like stay with my new friends from the internet, we were like in that area of like sleeping outside and like I don't know about you but like I don't want to be willfully homeless like there's just something a little icky about that to me and so I was just like eh, and like flew a sign that was like I just want to take a shower and like yeah. was immediately granted access to like this really nice couple's house and they weren't creepy and like, helped me get my resources together and went to Denver to go take care of my dad because he was sick and hung out there. And then I stayed in Kansas City for a number of years, then went to Austin, from Austin, went on tour, from tour, went to New York, from New York, came here.
2: How long were you in New York?
0: Uh, Just a little under five years. Okay. How was that? It was good. It's very expensive. If I ever want to just kind of like summon a panic attack, I will just lay down, take a couple of deep breaths and think about how much money I spent living there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think about it, I try to think about it in the context of I don't have any student loan debt. You know, I never went to school. So seems about right. It was like school for comedy.
2: Is that where you started doing comedy?
0: No, the first time I did comedy, I mean, like I tried like an open mic in Austin and like a genius was like, oh, yeah, I'll just invite like the person that I'm dating to come and see me do this. I'll just do this and then. We'll go about our date. We're still friends, which is amazing because like, what kind of emotional terrorist invites you to an open (laughs) mic? That's kind of like the equivalent of me being like, come over and watch me play video games. (laughs) Or, hey, do you want to come to the gym and watch me work out but like, you can't touch any of the equipment? Also, I've never been to a gym before, so I invited (laughs) this person that I had just started talking to And it was a really small theater. It was a Colt Town Theater. And I don't know if you've ever been there in Austin. I haven't. It's very small. It's like this size of this living room. And so right there, that's me on stage. This is audience right here. And like I go up and I'm... Telling my not very good jokes, and I see this person look at their phone, stand up, and then like walk out and never come back. (laughs) I was convinced that it was because of my material for a while until we spoke again, and it it was like a legit emergency that they had to go away for. But yeah, that scared me off of it for a while, and then unfortunately, I had some years later. I had um, like two years later, I had a, a death in my family. And had to go back to Kansas, and some friends were there that had been doing comedy for a couple of years, and were trying to like cheer me up. And they're like, "Yeah, you should come to this show." And I was like, "All right, fine." And I went, and it was it was terrible. It was it was one of the it was awkward. It was it was one of the cringiest things that I had seen, and I, I just did not like it. And instead of being negative in my review to them, I asked when the next open mic was to see if I could do it while I was in town, uh, you know, for bereavement Mm -hmm. or whatever. And they're like, well, it's Kansas, so there's not really one for like another month. And I was like, oh. And they're like, well, but there is a comedy competition. And I was like, well, bet. They're like, really? Mm -hmm. You're going to sign up for this? I was like, uh huh, sure. And so like this festival or like competition or whatever, it was a competition. The funniest person in Topeka, uh, there were like t-shirts and flyers and like everybody who was participating like had their name on it, except for me, because like I signed up like in the 11th hour. <laughs> and um, I, I went on and I, I wrote my material like two hours beforehand and I did 10 minutes and I won. And holy shit, you won, yeah, I did. And it was like, hell congratulations! Yeah, I think this is gonna be a part of my life. This is pretty all right. Comedy is easy. And then I like bombed for two (laughs) years, and uh, you know, I still it still happens, of course, but like it was uh, it was really interesting to go up and do it and like be received so well the first time, and then just be like, okay, cool, it's always gonna be like this, this Mm -hmm. nice soft landing. I love. The how immediate the gratification is. I know what works because they'll respond to it. And then the first time that I went up and like there was no response, I was like, oh god. But that feeling was almost more exciting to me. I was like, well, how do I do this again? How do I get back to where I was? You were hooked. Yeah, totally. I was raised Catholic. I (laughs) love rejection. Yes, punishment,
2: guilt, bring it. Uh, Put me on the cross. I don't know if you saw Ellen's new special, relatable. And then at the end when they have the questions, Mm -hmm. and she was saying that she'd want. I think Showtime it was Showtime, I think, and Mm -hmm. they were had funniest person in America. Yeah. And she won. And then when she would go to bars or performance venues, they would introduce her as the funniest person in America. (sighs) And that would put this expectation of the audience in a different level versus oh, yeah. like if she had just if they're like hey here's ellen you know did you have that were you like they introduced you as like the funniest person in topeka was that I, something that followed you around or did you never tell anybody about it i would
0: <laughs> sooner introduce myself as the prettiest girl in the gas station uh, <laughs> than the the funniest person in topeka you know i i went back because like i was asked to do it again when it came up because it's like a I, it's like every f- so many months or whatever that like, you can defend your crown or whatever. And uh, I ended up losing the second one and like handing it off. But like I just had so much like confidence where I'm like, oh, yeah, come take it. Like when I came back, <laughs> and it w- it was took it real quickly. Uh, <laughs> but I met some really nice performers out of it and they gave me advice on like where where else to perform, you know, and it's uh it's been it's been it's been a
2: wacky ride. It's been fun. You didn't get any haters from that? People that are like, Oh no. he just showed up and took this crown no, and I've been working for no, five no, years. Oh no,
0: or- no, I don't think so. I mean like I I mean if I did, they certainly weren't, you know, vocal about it. I think there it's just like such a low stakes kind of level where it's like, Oh shit, like there's there's anybody else that's also interested in this cool we might as well be friends to try and see you know if we can bounce ideas off of each other
2: yeah that's what I like about the New Orleans scene I feel like that's what everyone I like about is super it too. supportive and mm-hmm. like I know even before you moved here and people were like oh Han's coming here we're gonna make sure Han gets on you know this show and that show and I was always like Queer Mountain's always open to you uh, and you know you. now we got Parlo going which you yeah know,
0: those are both such fun shows yeah uh, I loved doing Queer Mountain for you over decadence and then you letting me do the headline spot like for November it's just such a awesome crowd and like having experience with that show with its uh you know its incantation in brooklyn is really good too
2: oh you've been to the one in new york
0: yeah 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 well i did like an offshoot of it i did the the queer film theory oh yeah
2: yeah, yeah. michael folk is amazing and
0: i did mine on cats
2: oh <laughs> yes really what was the theory well
0: okay so they okay, so you know all how queer, queer film theory 101 works, right? I
2: do, but if you want to break it down for so basically,
0: folks. it's you know talking about how there's not a lot of queer narratives like for people our age, uh, in movies growing up. And I would say that our age bracket is somewhere between 25 to like 40, who knows, uh, for performers. Uh, and so it, they asked if like there were any movies that you watched that were heteronormative where you kind of created like your own queer narrative to relate to. So that night that I performed there were movies that were broken down like Spice World. wonderful. Dick was one of them. I think on Ike did uh they did Iron Giant and the in defense of the Iron Giant being non-binary. And <laughs> I will never watch that movie the same way again. And thank goodness. Um I did Cats and I understand, trust me, that that cats doesn't need any exposition in showing you that it is a queer movie but mine was kind of based off of admitting when i'm wrong and it the cats the musical is one of the only physical fist fights that i've been in for anything and there was a girl uh, i just transferred to public school uh, who when it was, I don't know if our teacher was like hungover or if it was rainy, but the the media cart came out and I was just crossing my gay little fingers because I'd, I'd, I'd brought in Cats every single time and she had put on <laughs> Jurassic Park every single time. And then finally she was like, all right, today we're going to watch Cats. And my response, I figured would be, you know, just hidden in the the equal response of everybody else and was just like, yes to a completely silent room and this girl (laughs) looked at me and was just like, Cat says gay. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> Just being heavily closeted and was like, I'll fight you for it. And we did. And I won. And anyway, we're friends on Facebook now. She's gay. So c- come at me. <laughs> we-, we can fight. But if I win, you're gay.
2: I could see you with a videotape and like a $5 bill, like sliding it across the table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you don't want Jurassic Park. Yeah, no, 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 no. We need, we
0: need that uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. God, it's so terrible, too. Like I rewatching that movie. I was just like oh my god how could I have never thought that like for a second that this wasn't gay like okay so everybody is obsessed with the Rum Tum Tugger everybody sings a song about the Rum Tum Tugger uh the Rum Tum Tugger sings an entire song about Mr. Mistopheles, who is a magician cat uh who has one line which is uh, presto, and then he drags a rainbow ribbon across the stage. No, no, okay. I, I don't see it at all. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I pretty much just was pointing out like the gayest scenes of Cats and that was my defense. It, it I think I was so passionate about it because it was one of the only things that I could watch and not feel so lonely <laughs> as a queer little AC. Do you,
2: do you find your performance is different when you're performing for a queer audience versus, I guess, a hetero, I don't know, like yeah. the, being in a queer space versus just a space?
0: It's the more the more comfortable I am with who I am. No. I'd, at first, like when I was out, I was kind of, Specifically trying to like newly out specifically trying to book mostly queer rooms because I was like cool This is where I feel safe. This is where I can talk about this This is where this material is going to be received But then you know, I was getting buzz off of that and so more straight rooms were asking me to do shows and I was like Well, I don't really I mean, I've got material on like growing up Catholic, but like also uh," And then at some point I I think I did a show like I was in Queens and it was next to this firehouse and it was just like a bunch of Trumpy looking people and I just was like fuck it and like did my regular material where I'm just like hey I'm trans and I'm gay and isn't that wacky I guess but not really and Afterwards, these two dudes, I was like, "Oh boy, how's this gonna go?" They're like, "Hey, man, like, I don't necessarily like get it, but like, uh, you know, that was funny." I'll tell you what, that was funny. <laughs> I was just like, "Cool." So we're not gonna fight. <laughs> like, and so I don't know. I feel like you know, I'm not. I, don't, I feel like I'm accessible enough, even though you know, I might not have like the same lived experiences as a hetero cis person. I, I don't think that I'm like so so different you know a lot a lot of the stuff that I talk about is just basic manners and (laughs) just human interaction yeah we've all been faced with like someone just overstepping their boundaries whether you know no matter how we identify
2: I feel like I am a little more relaxed in a queer space Mm -hmm. and I've been trying to think about that more consciously as to as to why
0: well yeah I mean there's certain jokes that like I definitely don't tell When I'm in a straight space, simply just because I'm like, they're probably not going to get that. Like, they don't know, you know, a lot of them aren't going to know, like, you know, what the phoenix is or the eagle or the cock or the, you know, any rawhide. They're not going to get, like, leather references. Yeah. And if they do, well, then great. I'll talk to that (laughs) one very straight person after the show.
2: Yeah, I kind of have jokes where I feel out like I I have a joke that's kind of about me being gay, but also not, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I'll feel it out. And Mm -hmm. then from there, I'll go on. But it's a little Sarah
0: McLaughlin. You're building a mystery.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just kind of my safe way of of exploring it. Something I want to ask you about is just how to how to deal with not just hecklers, but I know both of us recently experienced someone online being not so cool. Yeah. And I'm not going to go too much into the details. We're not listing any names, but um, just you know, it made me think a lot about... Because at first, my first instinct was to not say anything to this person who was being transphobic and right. homophobic and uh, racist in other posts. Right. Um, and a lot of problematic uh, misogynists. Like, uh, uh, the whole gamut uh, of like, yeah. yeah. And then... I started talking with you and I was like, why is that my first instinct to like not at least, you know, not attack because that's not helpful either. But just to be like, hey, this is not okay. Yeah. Please think about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you really did make me think about that. And I appreciated that a lot. Well, I'm
0: glad. I think a lot of the reason I mean, like and I have to check myself because it's really easy for me to just be like, fuck you and like get angry about it. Uh, But that really doesn't serve much of a purpose to uh, myself or, you know, I know I'm not going to change this person's mind. I know that. But I know that because they're sharing such like vitriol on like a public forum that I do have the opportunity to be the best best representation of myself and of kindness um, and of just like, you know, not shutting up and being like, oh, I'll just ignore it because it'll go away because and I think about that a lot. And I try to be as measured as possible in my answers and not, you know, immature and attack and low blow. But sometimes, listen.
2: (laughs) It's hard sometimes. Yeah, sometimes
0: I just walk right into it. Um, And I'm not always the best version of myself. But I do try to at least say, you know, hey, this isn't right every time something like that comes up. Because, like I said, I was raised in Topeka, Kansas. I don't remember a time without the Phelps, you know, and I was raised very close to their compound so whenever i would walk to school or be coming home from school like i would see the god hates fag signs and you know god god hates america fag america like all this horrible shit every single day of my life every day like without fail would see these signs and the overwhelming response that i would get because my mom was talking to me and she was like i remember you from like a really young age getting super upset and like asking why they were allowed to do that and that wasn't okay and she was like i was so confused cuz you're so little she was like but then you would get fussy and we would get into arguments and i'd hear you argue with other people because their response was always they just want attention if you ignore them they'll go away that's simply not true
2: No, I mean, they've proven that that is not the case. No,
0: you know, silence is violence at this point, you know? And so like when I see somebody spreading that message in a public forum, I would be remiss if I didn't at least say, hey, this isn't okay for maybe like, you know, the one person that's reading it that might be on the very edge of thinking, you know, I don't matter.
2: Yeah, and that's why I was so appreciative because usually I'm, I had that uh, my inkling is like stay out of it. This right. person's just gonna number one, they're gonna come after you, right. and and it might put me at risk. Mm-hmm. And, and number two, like you said, they're not gonna change their mind. Right. So what's the point? But it's not about them, you right. know. So I do think it's important. I appreciate you, you know, kind of talking with me about that and making me realize like I can use my voice and I shouldn't be scared
0: to. to no, do it. but at the same time, like you're not. <laughs> It doesn't make you weak or like less of, you know, a lesser gay uh, <laughs> or a lesser ally. Well, alright, allies, I got a different message for you, but like, <laughs> it doesn't make you a lesser gay to like not want to get involved or like, you know, subject yourself to drama or like, you know, that kind of emotional labor because it is, it's a lot of emotional labor and like a lot a lot of times like having to tell somebody like that, that it's not okay. One, they're not gonna receive your message. Two, they're gonna keep going lower with their blows. And like three, sometimes you'll have another person pop up and demand you to relive your trauma and like yeah. explain why it's not okay. And like, it is okay to just... Step away from that and just like block and just not be a part of that. But I, for one, have to say something just because, like, I grew up being told, you know, they just want attention. If you ignore them, they'll go away. And I know that that's not how it works. So.
2: Were you raised religious? Catholic? Yeah,
0: I mean, I was raised Catholic in that my mom was raised Catholic. She sent us to Catholic school because she was sent to Catholic school. My dad was a staunch atheist. And our family is very much cafeteria Catholics, like very, very pick and choose, all cradle Catholics. You know, I had to go to mass up to a certain point to where I think it was like... My sister and brothers did the same thing. We were like, we don't want to do this. And they're like, oh, you don't have to. And it was like, oh. You're
2: like It's that easy? Yeah,
0: like we also don't want to go to this school because they don't have an accelerated learning program. And like I'm having to take a bus to public school every day. And isn't this expensive? And they're like, well, as a matter of fact, yeah. And it's like, well, what are we doing here? Yeah so yeah
2: did you receive any messages growing up about uh i
0: mean like there, i was i was a, a a really really weird religious kid for like the first part of my life and like to the point like where my mom will talk about it and she was just like kind of like raising an eyebrow like why why are they why is why are they being so serious about this well i didn't know that like there was any other option you know we're learning about it every day in school and like Maybe she's so far removed from like her catechism and Catholic education that she doesn't remember having like all 36 books like drilled into your head and like having to talk about, you know, your walk with Christ or whatever. I don't know. I, I was just re- real into it. And then I think somewhere along third grade, like when my brother was like diagnosed with cancer, uh, I was like, oh, right. Yeah, no, I'm not into this because, like, I've been nothing but good, and he's been nothing but good his entire life. You know, God wouldn't do this. Yeah, and then like asking the priest at our congregation to like include him in the prayers, and they, he was like, "Oh, well, Catholic Church doesn't acknowledge divorce, so like that's." And he's not really even your brother, because stepbrother. So and we I can't was, pray for him. Yeah, and so it was fuck? just like, mm. and I had a really cool teacher, Miss Schroeder, R.A.P., who was like, "Fuck that!" when she heard it, and made the whole class like write like get well cards to my brother.
2: Yeah, man, that's a scary. Th- you know, when you're a kid, like, yeah, is that your first experience with?
0: Yeah, like- with my faith being challenged. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, first and last, I was like. Pff- Screwless. So that's where it's hard because I
2: was raised Jewish and number one, we include everybody mm-hmm. in our prayers. We don't care. We don't care about right. divorce. We're not told literally anything about sex. We're not told to yeah. ha- like, have it. Maybe more religious Jewish folks like the Hasidim with the, mm-hmm. you know, they might be told something different, but we were never. We just didn't talk about that stuff. We weren't told yeah. anything about homophobia. So I think it's so interesting. And we also, we're told to ask questions. We're told to challenge. yeah Actually, we've had a lot of Catholic folks on here who talk about like the, the, the l- less. Questions yeah, yeah. Or
0: even the last guy, he wasn't Catholic, but he was saying like he was told not to masturbate we were told not to masturbate and i remember like trying to give it up for lint so many times <laughs> and i remember You're i like was like i could I, do 40 days yeah i was actually just thinking about this not too long ago because i was like well mardi gras fat tuesday lint all that good stuff and i remember trying to give it up like multiple times like when we were told that it was a sin and just being like and I know, so defeated with myself in fourth grade, being like, I didn't do it. I can't believe. It. I hope I'm not still doing this in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler uh, alert. Yup. <laughs> mm-hmm, yup.
2: But yeah, no, I think that's so interesting that the religions not only tell you that, but then you're not allowed to ask questions about it. Mm-hmm. The priest was like, okay, here's why, because your parents were divorced. And right. that's why we can't pray for your brother. And then that's just that. That that's, was the end that's of it. That's just
0: that. I had to be like bribed into like, every single one of my sacraments, like my religious rites. For my first communion, I think I got, or no, for my reconciliation, which is where you go and whisper secrets to the priest in a box, which is weird because like... Uh, I didn't really have any sins at the time because the Catholic age of reason is seven. And that's when you're supposed to, you know, start telling a person outside of your family your secrets and your sins. And uh, I remember sitting down and thinking in my head, well, this is a sin and like just making up sins. I'm like, I'm lying to a priest. Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. actively lying to a priest right now, saying that I've done things that I haven't done. In order for me to do that, I think I was given a, a Hillary camping set, a tent. I wanted that, and then for my communion, which is receiving the Eucharist—the body and blood—also weird flex, but okay. I was given an iguana, so what? Yeah, and then I refused to get confirmed, so that just. What would did.
2: you have gotten though? Was uh, like a car. Or- uh
0: no, it's. I wish it was. Where do you go cool... from iguana? Yeah right. Well, they, my mom, they took the iguana back like oh. promptly. It had like mites or something like that. No, I don't know, some excuse. I have like it's a like, lot of. I
2: would have done the Eucharist for an iguana. Right?
0: Yeah, my mom was really good at. Oh, it ran away or it went to a farm. But I, uh, yeah, I for confirmation that was just not something that I was interested in, and had like this larger argument with my mother about it. I was like, fine, I'll do it. I was like, but I'm, you're not gonna like it. Like I'm. I'm not going to be Joan, you know, I'm because I'm, you have to choose like a confirmation name. And she's like, well, what are you going to be? And I was like, I'm going to be Tarcissius. <laughs> and she was like, what? don't. All right. You don't have to do this. And I was like, <laughs> good. Bye. <laughs> you're like, great. We're done. Yeah, we're done. No, no, thank you.
2: Have you had any, when you're doing comedy, have you had any actual hecklers at any point? Yeah,
0: I've had people heckle before, but not to an extent like where it's been them personally like insulting me or my material or anything. I tend to find that a lot of people and I invite it because like, I'll do crowd work.
2: You're really good at talking with the crowd. If you see someone react, I see you like, hey. Yeah, I like to engage.
0: I do. I I like to pretend that they're my friends and that makes it a lot easier for me. My first show that I did, I remember being like, mom, I don't know if I can do this. And she's like, just pretend like you're hosting a party. You're good at that. And I was like, but there's like no plates to pick up like during my set. (laughs) So yeah, I just try to treat people like a friend. And so I try to keep that energy in mind when people get too excited and like want to participate for a little bit too long. I just treat them the same way I would. You know a very drunk friend, and you know, just try to de escalate it and be like, "Oh my God, I didn't realize it was your birthday is usually my favorite thing to say, and they're like. Wait, what? No, it's not. And I'm like, oh well then shh Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's a nice way to do yeah, it. Yeah, I try not
0: to attack the crowd. Ever. Yeah.
2: I try to do the guilt thing. I'm just like, I worked really hard on these jokes. I'm only yeah. gonna be on for two more minutes.
0: I hear you. And I and I've certainly said that before, but like I just I I can't I do not like it when and, and it's so justified. I get it. I mean like trust me, I love I love a good takedown of a heckler. That can sometimes very much be my kink. My but like I myself personally don't like to do it. It, because I've seen it done, it's been done poorly right before I've needed to go on stage and nothing just like sucks yeah. the odd, like the energy out of a room and like a, a comedian turning on the audience oh, and god, the audience that's... like not having any trust in the rest of the show or the next performer and you just have to work so much harder to get them back.
2: It's the worst because you don't want to also insult the other comic before you Right. Or, oh, I you will. Know. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I like, will. Fuck that. They ruined it. But yeah. yeah, you get up there and you're just like, god damn it, like what? Look what you did, you yeah. Jerk, you ruined Christmas. And it didn't work. You didn't leave there any better than if you would have just said nothing. No.
0: Just push past it or like take the L. Like don't. don't yeah. Yeah. Don't. No, no,
2: no. You have to tell the audience that they don't know what's funny.
0: Yeah. You just tell them it's not your birthday. <laughs> Shh.
2: Yeah. Just no. sh- what would Britney do? Yeah, <laughs> like
0: what's Mariah doing right now? Oh my god, <laughs> probably putting a hummingbird in a Vitamix to moisten her vocal cords. <laughs> I don't know. I have all these dark fantasies yeah. of how Mariah Carey lives her life. Real
2: specific. <laughs> <laughs> real quickly. Well, can you uh, tell the folks where they could find you?
0: Yeah, um, you can find me on like pretty much any social media at left l e f. T-Han H-A-N-N Path P-A-T-H Left hand path That's on Twitter And Insta And hell oh, I'm not at 3000 yet Add me on Facebook Let's see where it goes
2: Thank you so much For hanging out with us Han and I Are going to be doing a show At the Parlow Brewery January 13th At 8pm oh, yes. It's pay what you can So come on out to that If you're in New Orleans And if you're not Check Han out All over the interwebs Alright y'all Bye Be a new internet friend <laughs>
1: Hello, oh,
0: hi. Hey, what's up? Uh, first of all, these aren't my notes. I'm a consonant professional. Uh, it's just a suicide letter I've been editing, so <laughs> let see how it goes. Hey, I want to thank you so much for choosing live comedy, choosing to support live comedy tonight. And also, at this point in the evening, I'd like to remind you this is a choice you made, so don't leave. Um, <laughs> How's everyone doing? Hey, I'm, I'm gay. Is anyone else gay here? Great. you're gay? All right, how about the people that aren't gay? Good, more gay for us. Uh, yeah, my name is Han. As Xander was talking about earlier, we are a creepy community at certain points, um, but I feel comfortable here tonight. I feel like we've all been able to live in our truth and be comfortable, so you should know that my pronoun is daddy. <laughs> So those of you who just laughed are grounded. Um, no, it's not. I am, a, I am a trans male, that is something that is true. Um, my name is Han, I am a trans, and as a trans, I am a man. Hello. <laughs> it's uh, very true. Um, something that's weird about uh, my community, though, um, I'm very queer, uh, I'm very trans, uh, but for some reason, there's a lot of division between the two of us uncomfortable (laughs) for a myriad of reasons but uh, so I have like my my straight friends and then my gay friends and they're both kind of equally confused as to like ooh your gender is this noodly nebulous thing what is it and does it make me gay yes it does Um, if you are attracted to me I need you to know right now you are gay Just a doctor. I don't make the needle sharp. It's just the, rules. Yeah, it's just the rules. But between the two communities, when there is some confusion about uh, me, uh, I, I've, I've come to find a, a pretty good way to explain it. Um, but before I get into my personal gender identity, what I need you to know about anyone's gender identity is that it is one hundred percent about you and a threat. So. <laughs> watching you. Um, but what, where I've where found uh, that I can explain and feel comfortable about who I am, hey, what's going on, uh, is uh, do you, we're familiar with the concept of intersectionality, right? It's a good thing, we want it. We want it, we strive for it. And so I have found something that just kind of like lives within both of our communities, no matter what sexuality you are. Um, and we all look pretty scholarly here, so I'm sure you're very familiar with the works of, uh, Dr. Britney Spears, yes? (laughs) I'm about 50% of what I would refer to as the Spears Paradox. In that, I'm not a girl. And that's it. That is 100%. That is all you need to remember. (laughs) I'm not from here, I just moved here, uh, from Brooklyn, New York, actually. Um, yeah, I'm also not from there, despite whatever this is trying to tell you. <laughs> um, Hell, uh, no, I'm from a, a little place called uh, Topeka, Kansas.
1: Aww. <laughs> Where are you from? Where are you sorry, from? Oh, yeah, Kansas. Or, I'm sorry. Okay, now you get
0: it, all right. See, it's- <laughs> It's kind of a similar response as when I came out to my friends who are also trans. It's, uh, congratulations, I'm sorry. <laughs> so at least he gets it. Um, you get it. Um, no, I'm from Topeka, Kansas, and what I can tell by the general silence that I received is you either do not know where that is, or do not give a shit. <laughs> Both are completely valid responses.
1: And in your defense, if you're somewhere else
0: on there, um, I could not tell you most state capitals either because I was publicly educated in Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> it's true, I was also once voted prettiest girl in the gas station. <laughs> A title I am still pretty comfortable with. <laughs> Cause I got all my showing teeth. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I- And um, I moved there, uh, or moved from there to Brooklyn, and I was living there, and it was great, uh, except for, like, there's this one thing that happens. uh, As luck would have it, uh, the lion's share of all of my friends in New York were native New Yorkers. Is anybody here from New York? Who, oh you are? (laughs) We're gonna talk some shit, sorry. (laughs) Uh, And here's how you can tell someone's from New York, is uh, they'll find any excuse to tell you. Uh, That is just something that happens. You'll be out with your New York friend, you'll be shopping, you'll be like, wow, eggplants are only $1.75. They're like, it didn't always used to be
1: this way. (laughs) All
0: right. Uh, But (laughs) one of the things that I loved about having native New York friends uh, was for some reason, uh, when I would say that I'm from Kansas, uh, it would be met with a similar response that you had, but you're okay, we're here and we survived it. Uh, But overarchingly, like the largest response was just like this weird uh, romanticism and fascination with us where they kind of just lump us in with cowboy culture for some reason and they're like, wow, tell me about life on the prairie. (laughs) Did you grow up on a farm? And it's like, no. Like, did you have livestock? Like, it's more of a circumstance than <laughs> the first time. Um, So then it just kind of became my duty um, okay. to fill native New Yorkers full of just like gross amounts of misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> People from the Midwest are like, Why, I remember when I was eight years old, I was ridden into town on my very first horse. <laughs> and did you know, by golly, where I'm from, you can get a ticket for wearing shoes? <laughs> Books and computers? Well, I don't know. <laughs> love it for a lot of the same reasons that I love New Orleans. Uh, I, I can be myself and that's great because there was a lot of time during my life where I kind of thought that perhaps it would be easier just to not be here than be myself. Um, because I, um, I just did. But one of the wonderful things that's a parallel between New York and New Orleans that's just like a little bit different is, in Brooklyn, I used to always feel like I maybe wasn't cool enough to be out, but I was still gonna do it anyway because at least at the end of the day, I knew that I would not be the weirdest person in Brooklyn. <laughs> but I do appreciate a challenge. Uh, New Orleans, wow, you're a big mood. I know I can't do that here.
1: <laughs> I just
0: can't. <laughs> A guy, like, came and sold me, like, a dresser the other day, and he was like, If you're in the quarter, I'm the copper man. If you're uptown, I'm the chicken man. And I was like, did you're my new dad. Um... Uh, <laughs> is this a dad? Um... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um... There are some things that are true about where I'm from. Like I, I wasn't always, I do feel like I, as an ambassador from anywhere else, when you're living somewhere that's not your own, you should be honest about like where you're from. Because again, intersectionality, we want to blend everybody together and just kind of like have a greater understanding of who we are. So some facts that are true about where I'm from, so you know I'm not just a big fat liar, <laughs> uh, uh, is that we all know now that the state capital is Good. We're learning. We're growing. This is fabulous. Um, and some you'll know this one. You know our state flower. I do. Sunflower. Sunflower. Yes. And our state bird is, of course. No, it's not. Gay. No, it's the meadow lark. And it, I mean, it goes without saying. Our state mammal is, in fact, the single mom. A lot of options. Where I'm from. <laughs> Was actually dating someone for a minute uh, before I moved out here, um, and I have like this whole thing where I feel like that I need to date somebody uh, that is smarter and more attractive than me. Trust me, I deserve it, uh, and so do you. You should try it. Um, but I, they they were not from New Orleans, they were not from Kansas, they were from San Francisco. So again, they were just kind of just like, whoa, <laughs> about where I was from, and they were like, so over the holidays, do I get to come home and meet like your family and stuff? And I was like, I guess, if you want. Just, what's just like, what's Kansas like? I'm like skip it. Uh, skip it, we could just skip it, is what we could do? Because like you know, and everybody else who's ever been there, it uh, is it's just it is a beautiful place uh, to keep driving through on your way down. <laughs> Colorado or wherever else is a long road, um, but sh- they were just like, "Do you do you want to go? Like, what what are we gonna do while we're home?" And I'm just like, "All right, all right. I I've got to make an itinerary for you. I gotta figure out how to rebrand Kansas, make this work. I gotta gotta impress my parents. Gotta keep my partner interested." And I was like, "Oh baby, get ready. Prepare your entire body." For an exhilarating, thrilling, (laughs) moist time At the Brown vs. Board of Education (laughs) And if you've still got the energy Prepare to get sweaty and ready For some sexy bigotry over at the Westboro Baptist I don't have to explain to you what that is, um, but if I do, uh, they are those horrible people that hold those hateful, hateful signs, and something that is true about where I'm from is I grew up on the same block as the Westboro Baptist Church, yeah, and so for every day of my life for 16 years, I walk out on my porch for my walk to school, and I see these signs God hates facts and on my walk back from school I would see these signs and that was not easy for a person like me uh, because I was in fact born with this haircut Um. (laughs) 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 it's true Um. I didn't come out, <laughs> I didn't, hey there, uh... uh a real ally right there. Uh, uh, but, uh, I, I, I came out later in life, uh, New York really helped me with that, New Orleans very much helped me with that. Uh, I came out later in life, if you're not out yet, um, I recommend it, it's a soft landing for everyone. <laughs> promise. Every Friday I always tell people, they're like, what are you going to do for Friday? I'm like, I'm going back in. We still got some good men in there and I'm bringing them out. Uh, but no, I, I, I tried to come out several times when I was younger. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I started like a GSA at my school, had a B flag but I also didn't know how to talk to my mom about it, so I also joined like 20 other clubs to kind of <laughs> sneak it in there. And my mom, the Catholic bloodhound that she is, was like, what's GSA?" I was like, oh, uh, so it's a gay straight alliance. And she was like, oh, gay straight alliance, so where do you fall? And I was just like, i <laughs> like, I'm an ally, I'm like, <clears throat> bisexual. And she was like, have you even slept with anyone yet?" And I was like, Fair point. Uh, no. And she was just like, Well, I just think that you're too young to be defining yourself with labels right now. You're too young. And then she just kind of, like, started malfunctioning and, like, using this word over and over again. Where you're experimenting. You're experimenting. You're experimenting. And so I said, <laughs> As yes, please. Well, mom, prepare yourself because I may very well grow up to be a goddamn scientist. <laughs> <laughs> so now my mom calls uh, what she thinks are lesbian scientists. <laughs> it's cool though; she's very proud of her gay son. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. It's I, I tried to I tried to come out to her about it again, like in my twenties, where I was like I'm bisexual but it was Christmas and we were watching Roadhouse and there was tequila and that's the equalizer and she started asking questions that you could have asked Google and then she said, well what does that mean? And I said, bye, <laughs> that's what bisexual means, bye, please use Google. Um, trying to date right now, it's not the easiest thing to do because um, people like to ask you a lot of questions where they say not same. And I find that people will ask things like, well, who do you like more, boys or girls? That's direct, I appreciate that at least. And I do have an answer, it's about 60-40 in favor of whoever's not asking me this fucking question. That's who I'd like to sleep with. Um, but then there's the indirect question, which is going to require a little bit of your participation. I'm not going to single you out. Please yell it out. Where they ask what my type is, and that's a cool question to ask. It's also a way to try and suss out, like, what's your Snapchat area. <laughs> that's not what I want to know. Like, what I want to know about you is like what you're into, because the type is important. So, uh, early childhood sexual awakening. Who was your first celebrity crush? Just yell it out. <laughs> Uh, mine was Oscar the Grouch. Uh, it has shaped my taste in everyone. <laughs> I love hot, mean garbage. <laughs> so, um, not political. am going to leave you on this. For 2020, I hope we elect an actual gun. I love you. Big gay. <laughs> right. Good night.
2: Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you to Han Calger for sharing his world with you. Special thank you to Jessa Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help editing and producing the podcast. You can catch the live queer storytelling show Greetings from Queer Mountain in New Orleans, Austin, New York City, and now in Oakland. Also, give us a shout out on social media. We are Nearing Queer to My Heart on Instagram and Facebook. We are Queer to My Heart on Twitter. Or near and queer to my heart at gmail.com. Give us a shout. Give us a review on iTunes. We love you guys. Thank you so much.